Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Now just receive it now, the infilling right now. Just be filled up. Those of you that were in despair, receive joy now. Those of you who feel empty, feel empty no more. I thank you, God, for a bubbling up of joy from the Spirit even now. I thank you, God, that where hope was deferred in making the heart sick, I thank you that your people step into faith today. That voice that tells them they, they've been believing this is going to be the best year they ever had, but the voice that says, you wish, that voice is going to be silenced today. Say this with me. Say, this is the best year of my life. And next year will be even better than that. Thank you, Jesus. Come. Come, God. Do whatever you want to do in this place. Have your way. Flow, blow, rage, burn. Woo! Somebody said, are you done yet? You're the only reason I'm not done yet. God's waiting for you to say, Fill the room. Hey. Come and fill the room. Fill this room. Put your hand on your heart. Can we give Jesus a great big hand clap of praise all over this sanctuary? Somebody say, this is my year. In Jesus' name, go ahead and greet somebody. Give them a hug. Tell them you love them. Tell them Jesus loves them. And you can be seated this morning. Where's Eli at? Where's my guy, Eli? Oh, he's out. Oh, come here, bro. I need you. Now, I'm having Eli do this, not because I need him to. I actually want to show you something that God does, because this is going to help with my, what I'm preaching on today. Eli, can you put this down there for me, bro? Thanks, man. I love you. How you doing? All right, I want to show you something. Do I need Eli to do this for me? No. I can do that by myself, believe it or not. Oh, and it's not even a pride thing. I, it's actually weird. But I do stuff like that because I get this. I just spent some time with Eli just now. If you guys weren't here, I would have really spent time with Eli. I can talk to him. I can ask him about his day. 
I can spend time with him. Do you know God needs you to do nothing? Say this with me. Say, God doesn't need me. God doesn't need you. It's better. He wants you. God doesn't need us to do anything in this life. He wants us. Can you say amen? God is all powerful. He's omnipresent. He's omniscient. He's omnipotent. He's all powerful. He's everywhere. He knows all things. He doesn't need us. He wants us. God wants to partner with us in this life to get things done. Why? Because he loves you. Everything is relational. We took that, that thing that Eli just did for me. We actually took it away. He wanted to do it. He's like, I just want to help. If you want water, I'm going to bring you water. If you, if you leave your Bible here, which I do every single week, he's gonna, he brings it to me. He takes care. He serves. I, we got rid of the position because we're like, it's kind of weird. Like, I don't want to be served. I'm not here as, as someone that's to be served. But I noticed that when he's doing that, He's getting closer to God. And he's getting closer to me. And so God wants to partner with you to do things in this life because he loves you. God God doesn't get you to do things in this life so you could be a pawn on his chessboard to get what he wants done. He does it because as you're doing it, you can only do it successfully if you're doing it with him. Can you guys put up my graphic that I made, please? Awesome. No problem. You probably just weren't forgot about it because I just did it today. Say this. Say, this is a year of wins. God spoke to me and told me that this is going to be a year of wins. Everything that you do this year is going to be a win. You say, how do you know that? You can't be in my life and know everything that's going to happen. I know that because of the Bible. I know that based off what God said. So number one, this is going to be a win for you. Everything you do this year is going to be a win. And and then you're going to win in your life, and it's going to cause people to look at you and say, they're a winner, and I want to be like that. And then you're going to begin to win people to Jesus. And then the reward comes. Pastor Selena during the offering was talking about being selfless. And you can hear some people's, I don't know if you can, I can hear some people's thoughts. This just happens to me. I try not to. When I'm on the mic, I just answer the thought. But you hear some people's thoughts and they say, well, I don't believe that God's like that. What about me? That's You're missing the whole point. It's not about you. And here's the thing. If you lose yourself, not in the music the moment you want it. If you, if, you, if you lose yourself in God and you start to worry about others, say this with me. Say, what I make happen for other people, God makes happen for me. And we always want to make happen for ourselves. And when we go to make happen for ourselves, it's less, it's not as good. I'm good at English, I promise. It's not as good as if God were to do it for us. And so all you have to do is give up your life. That's it. Somebody say, that's huge. No, it's not that big. 
Jesus said this. He said, if you cling to your life, if you cling to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will find life. Amen. Do you know I've been trying to give all my money away and I can't do it? I have. I'm not going to lie. When I see somebody in need, their money doesn't have a grip on me. I can't do it. But I don't care about stuff. Can you say amen? amen. So when, you, when your eyes are on Jesus and your kingdom, say kingdom focused. Kingdom. There's castle, right? Your own castle. I'm going to build my castle. I'm going to fortify my walls. I'm going to make sure that it, nobody's getting in this castle. And if I make sure that my castle's good, then I'm going to make it. But God says we need to focus on kingdom. You help others, and as you help others, I'll build your castle. This is not my message. I'm just greeting you. Do you know how much of an honor it is to be able to preach as a youth pastor, or whatever I am? Who cares about the title? I'm a believer that is called by God, and I'm going to walk with him every day of my life. You can call me whatever you want, but I'm not calling me anything, because if I call me something, then I'm restricted. You get what I'm saying? But honor is a, is a huge thing in the house of God. People don't understand. It's actually the selfishness that you have that causes you to be jealous when somebody honors somebody else. Because they're not honoring you. And if we don't get over ourselves and begin to give honor where honor is due, and I watched this happen in our church. There was a period in our church where honor was like weird. And then all of a sudden, you guys know Blade Curry. Blade read in scripture about honoring people. He saw the benefit about honoring people. And he began, no matter what anybody said, he began to call them who God called them. And as he began to honor them, everybody else began to do it. Say this with me. Say, if you honor a prophet in the name of a prophet, you receive the prophet's reward. So people say, oh, that's Nick. Wrong. You will never be able to receive from the gift that's on his life if you cannot honor what's on his life. That is the way the kingdom of God works. Likewise, if you say he's the youth pastor, I wish Nick was here, then you, that's fine, but you're going to miss everything that God wants to do today. Nick didn't call Nick. God called Pastor Nick and Pastor Misty, which it's bigger than that. I'm calling him Apostle Nick, whatever. He's a pioneer. That Nobody does what they do. And I want to honor him this morning because pastors don't do this. Because they're insecure, actually, a lot of them. And they're worried. They're not even worried about if the person preaches bad. They'd rather them preach bad because if they preach good, then they're going to lose whatever. It's from insecurity. But our pastor is so on fire for the Lord and so vision focused that he has raised up. I, want, I just realized this and I want to say it. He has raised up people underneath himself, Pastor Nick and Misty. They've raised up people that are not direct copies. 
That's powerful. If you look at, I'm not calling any ministries out, but you can look at churches and they're the, what is that, a predecessor? Their predecessors are exact copies of them. I tried to do it at one season. I tried to preach exactly like him. I tried to dress like him. It was weird. You can't wear Saul's armor, right? You know, David and Goliath, Saul tried to give him his armor. He's like, no, trust me, buddy. I got these five rocks and I'm good. Goliath was used to that kind of battle. He would have been in trouble. But he wasn't used to a rock being guided by the power of God to knock you out. And then you take his sword and cut his head off with his own sword. So God, Pastor Nick, God's using them to create, not create, to raise up people in the body of Christ that are in their own calling. And then lets them go and do what God called them to do. Gives them a place. Our pastors deserve high honor. Can you say amen? Come on. They're not even, this isn't even for them. It's for you. Because if you get what I'm saying right now, the gifting on the inside of you will come alive if you begin to honor who God has blessed us with. This is important for you to have a winning season. So that when the person who God put in your life to watch over your soul brings you some guidance, you don't get offended and uproot and go somewhere else. This isn't my message. But it is going to help you have a winning year. I, as I get closer to God, I look for more people to hold, my, hold me accountable, not less. Correct me. When I can't see what you see, I need you to correct me. Because the Bible says that if you're in darkness and you don't know you're in darkness, how deep does that darkness actually go? That's why when Pastor Selena said, ask God to show you. David said in Psalms, search me, O God, if there be any wicked way in me, show me. You cannot be so selfish that you're scared to ask God to show you because you will miss out on the wins that are planned for you this year. Can you say amen? Amen. Say this with me. Say, all I do do is win, 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 no matter what. That's a fact. You can take that to the bank. And as children of God, we're in a race. You don't realize it, but you're in a race right now. The problem is we think that our opponent is somebody that it's not. You think you're racing against the devil. You're not. He's already been defeated. Why Why am I going to waste time in a race with somebody who's already been defeated? Say this with me. Say, this year, 
I'm going to know who I'm racing so I can finish well, so I can advance. You're racing against somebody that's on a different course. And his plan is to actually distract you from the course that you are on and the one you're supposed to be racing. That is his plan, to get you not to race against the one that you are supposed to be racing against. And his plan is to get you to waste what you're supposed to be racing against. Say this with me. I'm I'm in a race, and this race is called life. What is life? Life is the period of time you have to receive what Jesus Christ did for you before it's eternally too late. That is all life is. And if you will get that in your mind, then you will spend your life, number one, making sure that you get there, and number two, bringing as many people as you can with you along the ride. This year, you're not going to waste time battling the enemy. And I'm going to go back to scripture that you're going to be like, hey, we know that, buddy. You might know it, but if you understand it, you would be viewing your life differently and you would be advancing. You would have a victory in every single battle of your life. You would not even know defeat. Because the only thing that you are racing against is time. Who's my opponent? Time. The only thing you're racing against in your life is time. There is no there is no other thing. The devil is defeated and by receiving what God has given you the Holy Ghost and his word, you're not even the problem. Sometimes you want to race yourself. So you put the devil in 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 adversary position which the Bible does say he is an adversary but he's a defeated foe. Say this with me. Say, the devil has no feet. He's defeated. Say this with me. The devil has no arms. He's disarmed. You say you're lying. If you think I'm lying, you never read Genesis. You will crawl on your belly your whole life. All right. Speaking of Genesis, I want you to turn there with me. Genesis chapter 2. Are you guys happy today? Did you come ready to receive whatever God has? Oh, thanks. I used to take my sleeve and go like this. And Pastor Misty's like, I'm going to get you a towel. That's right. Don't do that. You might might mess me up. In the beginning, now listen to this. Squirrel, (laughs) I have to share this. I used the first sermon I ever preached to adults. Okay, there's a difference. I was in kids' church for many years, but the first person I ever preached to adults, I was in a skit before the sermon, and I was a pirate. So I preached as a pirate. Ahoy! Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the presence of God. Chips ahoy. <laughs> now, that would have been fine because it went with the, the theme. 
But the problem was that was the first sermon I ever preached, and I couldn't stop doing it. <laughs> we went into like a fear factor thing with, it was, uh, what was it? Ghostbusters. I just knew the song. We go into Ghostbusters, and I'm still preaching like a pirate. It didn't really work very well. So then Misty, Pastor Misty, would, she would randomly call me out and be like, oh, you just went pirate. You just went pirate. And I shook the pirate. So just. <laughs> Let's get ready to sail these seven seas. Are you ready, kids? I can hear you. All right, that's it. That's it. it. Genesis chapter (laughs) 2. Is it 2? Yeah. Verse 4b. Somebody's like, what's that? You'll find out. When the Lord God made the earth and the heavens, neither wild plants nor grains were growing on the earth, for the Lord God had not yet sent rain to water the earth, and there were no people to cultivate the soil. Instead, springs came up from the ground and watered all the land. Then the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground. He breathed the breath of life into the man's nostrils, and the man became a living person. Say this with me. Say, I'm a three-part being. I am a spirit. Because before God breathed into your nostrils, you weren't. It was just a body. Say, I am a spirit. I have a soul. My soul is made up of my mind, my will, and my emotions. And I live inside of a physical body. You are not your body. You are not your soul. So sometimes this year, you're going to have to tell your soul... Pastor Mike's going to preach on it, to get in alignment with your spirit. Because if you follow your emotions, you follow how you feel. I feel. I just feel. I woke up this morning. I don't feel like God's with me. He is. So tell your feelings to shut up and just be with God. I don't feel like they like me. We do. They didn't say hi to me. I don't know if you noticed, but I was in my Bible this morning. You know, we get so offended by things that if you actually knew what was taking place in that person's mind, it has nothing to do with you. You say, I wonder what what they're thinking about me. They're not. It doesn't mean they don't love you. It means there's other things going on. I want to encourage you, and I'm not doing this to be mean. If you feel that way, go speak to the person. Because nine times out of ten, you're, you're wrong about how people feel about you. And you'll create this whole story, this whole scenario in your head. Speaking of honoring our pastors, I used to do this. I would get corrected. I needed to be corrected. And I would make whole scenarios in my head about what they're thinking. What's One time I came into a, a meeting that was designed for me to get a promotion. Like a, the greatest promotion I ever got. And I went in there crying, and they're like, what's wrong? And I was like, oh, I know what's going to happen. I know what you guys think about me. I know. I, f- I just, this is the last day. 
I thought I was getting fired. No joke. I thought I was going to lose my job. They're like, what are you talking about? You're getting promoted. So this year, I'm telling you, if you decide you're not going to allow little offenses to uproot you, you're going to win and win and win and win and win no matter what. So I'm not going to do this every scripture, I promise. Verse 8, then the Lord God planted a garden of Eden in the east. There he placed the man that he had made. The Lord God made all sorts of trees grow up from the ground, trees that were beautiful and that produced delicious fruit. In the middle of the garden, he placed the tree of life, say life, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. A river flowed from the land of Eden, watering the garden and then dividing into four branches. We'll skip on. Um. Verse 15, the Lord God placed the man in the garden of Eden to tend and watch over it. But the Lord God warned him, you may freely eat the fruit of every tree in the garden except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat its fruit, you are sure to die. Why did God do that? I'll tell you why God did that. Because God loves you. God loves you so much that he gave you free will. If God made you serve him and forced you to do what he wanted you to do, that's not love. But God said, I love them and I want them to choose me. I don't want to force them to be with me. It goes back to what I said in the beginning. God doesn't need you. He wants you. Can you say amen? And so the, the, the devil comes, say the serpent Snake skin on my snapback, but I'm free from the serpent. That was for Anthony. <laughs> Chapter 3. The serpent was the shrewdest. He thinks I don't know rap, but I just drop it on him every once in a while. <laughs> my rap name's EVC2. Chapter 3, the serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. One day he asked the woman, did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? Now look what he does. He gets the woman to question what God said. This is his strategy and this has always been his strategy. When the devil came to Jesus and tempted him, he said to him, did God really say? What does the enemy want to do? He wants to challenge what God said because he knows if you believe what God said about you in your life, that he is not even a match for you. He came to Jesus, and Jesus is on a fast, and he's hungry. Who's ever fasted before? When you're fasting, you're hungry. And so the devil comes to him, he tempts him, and God just spoke to him and said, this is my dearly beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. That's the word of the Lord. Jesus heard it. He already knew it, but he heard it. This is my dearly beloved son who gives me great joy. And then he goes into the the wilderness. Thank you. The wilderness. The enemy tempts him and says, if You are the son of God. In other words, I know God told you that you're his son, but prove it. 
What does the devil want you to do? The devil wants you to prove that the word of God, word that God said to you is real when God just wants you to believe it. How are you going to win this year? Believe what God said about you so much that you don't pay any mind to the enemy and you walk in the word of the Lord for your life. If you are the son of God, turn this stone into bread. He was hungry. What did he not listen to? I feel like eating though. Yeah. Think about it. If you were in his situation, 40 days. You didn't eat for 40 days. Hey, turn this stone into bread. You got it, buddy. You got butter? And Jesus replied to him and said, we don't live by bread alone. Now watch this. Jesus knew what he was doing. Even when we read this, we don't realize unless by revelation that Jesus knew what he was doing. But Jesus said, we don't live by bread alone. I don't have to prove to you by turning this into bread. We live by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. I don't care what you say about me. You can talk all you want to. I'm walking in what God said about my life. Mm. Say this with me. Say, the enemy's not a problem in my life. He's defeated. The only opponent I have in this life is time. So now, God says, you can eat of any tree in the garden, but not the tree of the knowledge of, the good, and, of good and evil. And the enemy says, well, if God said that, but he just doesn't want you to gain the wisdom that it'll give you. But it feels good. That's what sin will do to you. It feels good. You want it. You desire it. But God said, if you touch it, he's talking about eating it. They failed when they grabbed the thing. If you you eat it or even touch it, you will surely die. Look at me, guys. Don't play with sin. When I first got saved, I would ask myself the question, where is the line, God? God. Is it too much if I just play around? Or is it only when I fully go into the thing? And I heard the Spirit of the Lord speak to me and tell me to run as far away from the line as I can get. Don't flirt with the devil. Don't play with sin. It's the wrong race. You're not on a race with the enemy. You're in a race of life to bring as many people as you can with you to heaven. Can you say amen? time. And so get back on course. Don't flirt with that stuff. Don't even touch it. That's what he's saying. If you taste it or even touch it, you're going to die. Why? Because when you touch it, you just got iniquity in your heart. Now you have sin in your heart. But I didn't do it. Yeah, you did. In the Old Testament, you didn't. But Jesus said, it no longer is adultery the act of sleeping with somebody. It's when you look at them with eyes of lust. You've already slept with them in your heart. Ah, I thought this is a year of wins. It is. What I'm telling you is you're not on that race. You're on a different race. 
And if you keep your eyes on the devil in that race and you keep shaming yourself, because that's what he wants to do. I'm trying, but I messed up. I'm trying, but I messed up. I'm trying, but your, your eyes are in the wrong place. But if you put your eyes on the prize, if you put your eyes on time and you focus your time and spend it doing the will of your father who sent you, you will not even be worried about sin and it'll be bye-bye. Can you say amen? We can't be sin-focused. We have to be righteousness-focused. Hallelujah. So there's a curse. There's the fall. Adam and Eve fell. Then the curse came upon mankind. People are living their life in a curse, and they don't know it. When you're born, you're born into the world, and you've lost what Adam and Eve had in the garden. You just don't know it. When Adam disobeyed God and God kicked him out of the Garden of Eden, what did he lose? He lost paradise. He lost provision. You can eat of anything in the garden, but not this one tree. They didn't have needs. They didn't need clothes because they were naked, but the Bible says they were naked and felt no shame. Why are people, even now, if you're like, what? They were naked? Yeah. Guess what? All they knew was life. They hadn't eaten of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They hadn't, they hadn't enrolled themselves into that race. They were on this race called. They were on this race called life. They didn't know good and evil. So there's provision in heaven. Everything you need is in heaven. In the Garden of Eden, they had all they needed. And then what else did they lose? This is ultimate death. This is how you define death. If you want to define death to somebody, this is it right here. Because no matter what you believe, you might be an atheist in here. Probably not. But if you are, you won't be for long. You might be an atheist in this place. Do you know nobody's atheist? It just popped in me. Somebody said, I am. No, you're not. You're not an atheist. You're just mad at God. And I'm telling you, if you can see what God did for you, and who he is, your whole life will change. If you can rightly put blame, I had a girl one time in Project Rock, we, were, we shared a gospel with everybody, so even if they tell us we can't talk about Jesus, sorry, I guess we're going to lose the program, we're talking about the Lord. Uh, within, you know, you, yeah. we have people come into Project Rock that now, before they told us we're not allowed to talk about the Lord, now, the people who fund the program ask us, is it okay if I pray with the kids? I look at them and say, you're asking me? I do it all the time. I don't know what you guys like, but go ahead. Because we have them come in and guest speak. And so uh, I was talking to this girl, and, I, and she said to me, I don't believe in all this stuff that you guys are talking about. I'm an atheist. And the word of God came to me. And it hit me in my spirit. I looked her in the eyes and I said, you're not an atheist. When you were five years old, your grandma died of cancer. And the only reason you say you're an atheist now is because you're mad at God. Because you think he took her out of your life. (gasps) Starts crying. And I said, God loves you. And God did not take your grandma from you. That was the enemy. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but Jesus came so that we could have life and life more abundantly. She gave her life to Jesus that day. 
So if you rightly put the blame for the, for the negativity, that's, then, then you're not mad at God. But you don't get caught up in things that are happening in your life. The Bible says that you're going to be challenged. Say this with me. Say, it's normal in life to be challenged. It is unscriptural to be defeated. You cannot lose in this life. The Bible says that though that... Help me, Jesus. I just forgot what I was going to say. Moving on. You got, you know what I was going to say? No. Yeah, it does. It happens to me quite a bit. Especially with people's names. Sometimes I forget important people's names while I'm with them. You know. It's not you. Somebody's like, he doesn't love me. No, I do. I was probably like singing a song in my head. Now I think your name's Tiffany and we're having breakfast, but really your name's something else. I promise it's not what you think it is. So paradise was lost, provision was lost, and God's presence was lost. Amen. But that's not the end of the story. So there's the fall. Adam fell in the garden. The curse came upon mankind. But then there's the cure. Say the cure. Jesus Christ and what he did for you is the cure for all of that stuff. There is nothing in this life that can win over you. You win every battle for the rest of your life. But our focus has to come off self. Our focus has to come off the enemy. And our focus has to be on the race, which is time. Can you say amen? Amen. And so we're in this race and we have a, a purpose in this life. Many times we think that our purpose is just what I feel like I'm called to do, but there's a bigger picture. The bigger picture is kingdom. There's other people. And if we would focus what we're called to do specifically on kingdom, then what we're called to do is going to prosper. What we're, gonna, what we're called to do is going to flourish. So you might be called to be a firefighter. You might be called to be a businessman or a businesswoman. But no matter what you're called to do, there's a commission that God gave us to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every person. And the Bible says those that believe will be saved. Everybody, say everybody, who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So we're not racing the devil. It's not what this is about. People focus on him so much. People bind him every day. How does he get, how does he get out? Oh, it's a new day. Binding loosed. No. And here's the thing. This is actually a series that by the end of this series, three-week series, you are going to, even today, man, forget three weeks. I'm just like a faith is now person. It'll just add on every two weeks. But by today, you are going to become a powerful witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. Say this with me. Say, I'm called to be a powerful witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not a calling that's just for pastors 
Oh, you're the pastor, so when you go preach the gospel, people are going to get saved, healed, delivered, set free. Demons are going to come out screaming. It's not just for pastors. It is for every believer. God wants to cause you to be a, a display of his glory as the church, to rub it in the devil's face. Turn to Ephesians chapter 3 just for fun. I hope it's there. I've been working on my scripture memorization. If it's not, we're going to read it anyway. It's going to be epic. Just by a show of hands, do I look like I care what the enemy thinks about me? That's how you got to live your life. But if Pastor Nick's in here, I'm a little more timid. Do you know the first time I ever preached, which was that, that day when I was a pirate? I wasn't supposed to preach. Ten minutes before the show, I'm walking in the back hallway as a pirate, fully dressed. And Pastor Nick is walking up towards me, and I said, Pastor Nick, are you excited? <laughs> what are you preaching on? And he's, this is exactly what he said to me. I'm not preaching, you're preaching. Peace. And he walked out the door. <laughs> what? This is my debut? <laughs> Ephesians chapter 3. I don't even know if this is it, to be honest. Jesus. It's somewhere. Oh. Don't mind me, guys. <laughs> I swear it's in here. I'm moving on. Um, <laughs> it's a scripture that God's talking to David, and he said, I want to use you to display my glory. It might be Galatians 3. That might be the problem. But I read that scripture, and I was, I was actually in South Africa. It was a year ago from now. I was walking on a terrace, and I was praying about the, my message. I was just, in, just pressing into the Lord. And I said, God... Um, I'm reading in the Bible that you said that you wanted to use David to display your glory amongst people. And I said, you're not a respecter of persons. I know that. And if you'll do that for David, you'll do it for me if I believe. So I said, God, I'm asking you to use me as a vessel to display your glory among people. And it also talks about, if you're looking it up, God has secret plans for the church that he wants to use them as a display in it to the enemy. I don't know if that helps. But it's a powerful scripture. That's why I want to read it. And I say, God, use me. And as soon as I prayed that out of my mouth, I hear a guy at the, the bottom of the road and he shouts, hey, brother. And I said, what's up, man? And he said, you got any money? I need some skibbies. Like, what is skibbies? It's diapers for his baby, right? So I'm like, okay, God, I'm in Africa. Here's a guy asking for money. I just prayed that you would use me to display your glory. I got an opportunity. I'm going for it. So I ran inside. I grabbed like hundreds of rand because I don't know how much it is. I just grabbed it. And I was like, here, man, is this enough for skibbies? His eyes got real big. And he's like, I can get a lot with this. So then I said, let me pray with you. Here's a key. 
We're going to get, just so you know, in, in this first week, I'm not, we're going to get into praying with people to receive Christ. But if you are in the place where you're so focused on what you're failing at and where you're not at with God, and you're not breaking through and winning in your own personal life, then winning other people to Jesus is going to feel like a work to you. God wants you to break through in this area where you're not battling the enemy the whole year. Can you say amen? Amen. The enemy is not a battle. This year, the enemy is going to know you by name, and every time you wake up, he's going to run. Oh, no. Let everybody know they're awake. That's a fact. He knows you by name. When you know who you are in Christ. And so I, I say this to the guy. He, I pray with him. Lead him to the Lord. God touches him. He, his eyes are watering, but that's all it looked like. And then he leaves. Two hours later, we go to a car dealership because we were buying a, a, a kumbi. You know a kumbi, a van? We were buying a van for Club Pure in South Africa. We come back two hours later, and the man is waiting at the, the same place, waiting for me to get home. I'm like, oh, he just needs more money. You know, that's what I thought. So I went up to him. I was like, hey, man, what's going on? How are you? And the guy, he's shaking. He's shaking violently under the power of God. And he said, I walked home. And when I turned around and started walking down the road, lightning hit me from heaven. And I started to shake uncontrollably on the inside. I went home and I began to read my Bible that I had in, inside. I never, he said, I never read the Bible. I don't know the Bible. And he said, then he stops talking and starts reciting to me the whole book of Psalms. Hallelujah. By word. The whole book. I said, what's happening? And he said, I don't know. God supernaturally downloaded the word of God to me. And it's just coming out of my mouth. And then he keeps. And then he goes like this. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. And he starts naming all the books. Say glory. I said, God, I want you to use me to display your glory. And he does that. God wants to use you not to change your own life. He'll take care of that. He, God will take care of you the whole year. You are his child. God's not, God's not wanting you to worry about yourself. If you will take eyes off self and begin to put your eyes on the kingdom and other people, God will hook you up. Can you say amen? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things shall be added unto you. Can you say amen? amen. God wants to use you this year to change others. Amen. God wants to use you this year to help other people. God wants to break your heart this morning for what breaks his heart, and that's others. What is the most valuable thing to God? People. What did God give up everything for? I love you with all my heart, but my son Cameron, I love him more. God gave up his only son for you. I'm not giving up Cameron. I'm not giving up Levi either. Ellie's safe. 
For God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son, that whosoever believes in him will not perish. How come we don't get so excited that there's five people that will not spend eternity in the lake of fire? Why? Because you need God to break your heart for others. God, get my mind off me. If you don't care about you and the devil attacks you, who cares? Go ahead and attack me because you're leaving everyone else alone. Praise God. You know, the devil is not everywhere. Get your mind off the devil this year. The only place he is allowed in my life is underneath my feet. And if he's under my feet, how can I hear him in my ear? And he's a created being. He's one being. Can you be in, can you be in two places at once? Neither can he. Oh, Satan was attacking me. Really? I'm pretty sure Satan's in like Saudi Arabia. He's in your house? Satan, Lucifer, Beelzebub, that guy. You must be doing big things for Jesus. Now, Smith Wigglesworth, I believe him. I believe that Satan was in his living room. This is, you want to know how he dealt with Satan, which is why he was in his living room? Smith Wigglesworth is a powerful man of God. Who, by the way, I think he only got saved at 65. So you think some of you in here are ready to retire. I got news for you. You're not going to retire. You're going to refire. Can you say amen? When you retire, you die. And I'm not telling you can't rest, but rest is in the work of the Lord. That's what rest is. Rest is not inactivity. Rest is going out and doing the will of the one who sent you. Smith Wigglesworth goes downstairs one night, and he's walking through his living room. Do I have the guy right? I think this is it. Oh, y'all know. Thank you. There's a lot of powerful men of God. I'm just making sure. He's in his living room walking through, and Satan himself is standing in his living room. Smith Wigglesworth's looking down. He looks up, and he goes, it's just you, and walks to the fridge. Grabs a drink from the fridge and goes back upstairs and goes good night. He's not worth even worrying about. Find, a, find something in the New Testament and show me where people were praying against the devil fervently. People relate with Job more than they do Jesus. Why, why are we trying to be anything like Job? Job didn't have the Holy Spirit. Job didn't have the, the word of God. Job didn't have a revelation like, like we get to have. Can you say amen? amen? And if you read the book of people, quote Job. Read the end of the book of Job. God rebuked the mess out of him for the way that he was talking. Don't talk about me like that. Who are you? Did you hang the stars? Come on. So we need to relate 
with Jesus Christ who paid no mind to the enemy. How did, how did Jesus deal with the enemy? Hey, buddy, it's written. I don't care what you have to say. Shut up. The Bible says we don't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And the devil left him. And then he came back. Oh, if you're the son of God, jump off this mountain. Commit suicide. His plans are the same. Do you know in that fresh start, not just did they get saved, they got set free from demonic strongholds that were on their life. There was a girl in there ready to kill herself. She didn't tell me that. She didn't have to. God knows her. And I'm praying for the one girl. And I turned to her and I said, I want you, as I pray for her and you see God touch her, I want you to believe that the same way that God's touching her, God's going to set you free from all the things the devil told you that that your life's going to end up like. She starts crying, like tearing, mouth open, jaw drop. And then I came to her and I said, four years ago, this thing came came upon you and you've been living in darkness ever since. And God's going to set you free. While I'm praying for her, now watch, this is the heart of God, and this is the heart we have to get. And it's in certain people already. But you have to cry out and ask God to break your heart for people so that you're not so focused on yourself that people miss God because of us. Being distracted by life. Being worried about the devil. He's a non-issue. All he does is yap. There's even people right now that as I'm talking about them, their religious background is telling them, don't talk about them like that. You're going to invite them into your life. Shush. (laughs) He knows me. He don't like me. So that girl, there's another girl in Project Rock. God's getting all of them at the same exact time. There's another girl over here that I'm not praying for, looking at them and crying. And I saw something in her. I saw an evangelist heart in her because I, when people get breakthrough, when, when somebody receives something good, I can't help it. I'm so happy I cry. I'll be watching America's Got Talent. If somebody gets the golden buzzer, I'm done. I'm done. I love, I'm serious. Some of you are like, I've got that heart. Some husbands are like, not me. But when your wife's not looking, you crying. I, I got your number, bro. (laughs) <laughs> I have, I, this happened to me, so I know how it goes. There's men. They don't cry their whole life because you got to be strong. You get in the presence of God for five seconds and you're weeping. God tells you to do something and you're supposed to go in there. You're supposed to do it all strong and happy knowing, you know, God's with me. And you get in the meeting. You're trying to tell them what God said and you just start crying. And now you're like, yeah, I told you I got your number. I'm just telling your story now. The devil's not an issue. And he wants you to focus on him so that you're not focused on life and time. And why, why is time the race we're in? Because when people die, it's eternally too late. 
Now you say God's mean. You want to know why I opened up in Genesis? God's not mean. It's not God that keeps people out of heaven. It's sin. And it's not even ultimately sin. It's their choice to reject or accept what God did to make a cure for what the curse put on people's life. So people don't go to hell because God's mean. Stop lying. God's good. And so the other day, I'm, say this with me one more time. The devil is not an issue. Somebody's like, you're belaboring the point. No. For the past five years, you've been belaboring this issue that the enemy has you on his radar. And when I talk, somebody the other day, I'm not going to mention names. I love you, by the way. If this is you, I'm just I'm helping you. I said, are you ready to have a good year? The person said, when's it going to start? You're laughing, but many people think just like that. Why? Because it's, it's not, you're not the problem. It's your, you're focusing on the wrong race. It's going to start when you believe that it's going to be the best year you ever had. That's when it starts, right there. And then you don't take a challenge as a defeat. A challenge is not a defeat. When I'm challenged, I see it as an opportunity to glorify God. And the best challenge you could ever have is to be persecuted for your faith. If people aren't making fun of you for what you believe, they can't see what you believe. So that means you're not living it. You're just talking it. The other day, I'm in bed enjoying my night. I mentioned this story the other day, and I want to share it. It's powerful. I was enjoying my sleep. Anybody sleep well? I sleep like a baby. If you don't sleep good, we're going to pray for you and you're going to sleep good. Because God, I mean, you got to rest. When it's time to rest, you rest. Say deep sleep. And so I'm sleeping. And a few weeks before that, um, somebody came over to get her hair done. And her, it it was one of the teens that used to work for us. Now she's an adult. Um, And her boyfriend came with her and she was going to keep him in the car. I'm like, what are you doing? It's so mean. You guys, need, you guys need to learn respect. Be rude. So anyway, I invited him in. <clears throat> he came in. We were playing Fortnite. <laughs> just so you know, I think this is important to say. Just because you serve the Lord doesn't mean you got to be weird. <laughs> hey, brother, come on in. <laughs> Sit at the table. Got my Bible here. <laughs> What you doing? You know Jesus, son? This is part of what we're talking about. The reason why you hate soul winning is because anybody you've ever gone with is like, just they just teach you weird. I look for the dead air that there is. I look to get rid of that no matter what. I'm, next week, next week I'm going to go deep into soul winning in, in the message because that's set for next week. But I'm telling you, I have fun. One time we were out soul winning. And there was like five, we were in a plaza, and there was like five or six people walking up, a whole family. And I just stood in front of them like this. And I said, I bet you're wondering why I gathered you all here today. I'm like, what the heck? Yeah, obviously if you're weird and you go up to them, you're like, hey. 
I'm trying to look religious. I don't even know how to do it. Don't be weird. Like slide it into your conversation or punch it. Hey, I just want to let you know God loves you. And then I'll be like, has anyone ever told you God loves you? No, I just did. Literally three seconds ago. But if you're weird, you, you don't have to be weird. We're doing the prophetic school of ministry. If you, if you feel like there's a call of your life to be in the prophetic ministry, you're called as a prophet of God, or you just want to know more about stewarding the gift of the Holy Spirit called prophecy, then you come and you get under training so that you can do it well without being weird. Can you say amen? I'm going to wave seven flags over you. And when the third flag, which is orange, brushes over your head, all of a sudden, everything you're struggling with is going to go away. No. What are you talking about? Oh, I'm going to get there. I know when I go down a squirrel trail, I, I usually know where I left off. But I feel like these stories matter, right? All right. I don't want anybody to book, like, have you ever noticed, sorry. <laughs> There's people that flag, and they do it, cool, whatever. They do it as worship unto God. But the ones that want to be seen, they always have a bag, and it's always full of flags, and they're wheeling it in. And I just never seen one with a husband. <laughs> S- Side note. So I'm playing Fortnite. We didn't win, by the way, if you were wondering. But I'm playing Fortnite with him, and the kid looks at me. Man, it's like people get with me. They just want to get married or something. He looks at me, and he goes, so what's the key to marriage? And I'm like, perfect. See, I'm not weird. He asked me. But God knows that this is on my heart. You understand? So people actually come to me and ask questions because God knows that I'm ready to speak of him. It's on my heart because my heart breaks for what breaks his. I care about people. I care if they spend eternity in fire or eternity in heaven. I care. I also care that while they're on the earth, because it's not just in eternity, it's now. God blesses you now. The curse that came upon mankind in Genesis comes off of you now. You no longer have to live outside of provision. When you receive Jesus Christ, the Bible says that through Christ, death came to the curse of the law. So we're playing Fortnite. And uh, as we're sitting there, he said, what's the key to marriage? I said, the key to marriage is having God at the center of your marriage. If you don't have God at the center of your marriage, then there's no one to come to when there's a disagreement. But you're going you're gonna to go with your way, she's going to go with her way, and it's going to be over. And I, we just keep playing Fortnite. That was it. I didn't have to seal the deal right at the moment. I didn't feel to seal the deal. I felt to sow a seed, and I said, here's my phone number. If you need anything, call me. And so I'm sleeping. Two o'clock in the morning. You guys thought I forgot my story. It's part of it. I'm sleeping. Two o'clock in the morning, I get a call. When I answer the call, there's about 17 and a half Spanish women, and they're screaming. 
at the top of their lungs in Spanish at something. I don't know what they're saying. And then I hear this guy, Pastor Chris, Pastor Chris, I need help. We don't know what to do. What's wrong? My mom is possessed. There's a demon in her right now, and she's screaming at the top of her lungs that, that, that she's going to kill her. Now, you know it's a demon when the lady's not saying, I'm going to kill myself, which, by the way, that's still a demon. It's, it, sometimes it's demonic influence. It doesn't necessarily mean they're possessed. But this thing was saying, she, talking in the third person, she is going to die by morning. And every time they're screaming at her, I just hear, <laughs> well, this amps me up, dude. I, I'm telling you, I don't, that stuff doesn't scare me. I get juiced up. I'm like, let's go. You called the right one, bro. So I said, put the demon on the phone. Put that demon on the phone. I went outside. But going outside did not help the sound because I was having fun. And by the way, I don't scream because I think you need volume to scare a demon, just to make it clear. I, I don't scream in preaching because I think people can't hear me. I can't help it. Like I said, I've tried to preach like Pastor Nick. I can't do it. I can't. So anyway, I'm in the name of Jesus. I command you. Right? So I, actually, I said, hey. This is the first thing I said. Hey, listen to me. Because you don't treat demons like they have power because they don't. They have power over a non-believer, but as somebody who is in Christ, they know who they are in Christ. God has given you every authority and power over every work of the devil. You have power over the enemy. He does not have power over you. And so I, I said, hey, listen to me. She starts laughing. <laughs> she goes, you. And I said, what are you doing, this lady? You're getting ready to come out right now. And she goes, <laughs> I'm going to kill your kids in the morning. And I looked, I looked at her. I did in the spirit. You know, I, said, I'm a, I went like this. You want to see? That's what I did. I got neighbors coming out. No joke. Oh, it's just a demon. (laughs) No big deal. Go back to sleep. I'm going to kill your kids in the morning. I said, oh, that's funny. You know me. How do you know I have kids? And then I said, you won't kill my kids in the morning. You don't even know where they are. They're hidden with Christ in heavenly places. Go ahead and try. You see, the problem is we give the devil power. He is powerless. In the name of Jesus, I command you to come out of that woman now. Anyway, fast forward a little bit. The, the kid, she, the demon ended up coming out. The lady's there. She's like, you know, resting. And I text the kid. I said, hey, what's going on now? Because this is now like 5 in the morning. Hey, what's going on? My mom's free. Everything's fine. But she's saying that he's hanging out outside. Yeah, that's right. You can't come in. But you know what I did? Before I did that, I I said, I want you to translate for me. Because it's, 
If you don't have Jesus Christ in your heart and you're not filled with the Holy Ghost, then you're fair game for the devil. But if you are, stop believing that you are still susceptible to, to be possessed and to even ha- for him to have any part in your life. The way you're going to win this year is by understanding that he is totally defeated and void of all power. And so I said... And then I, I, I told the kid, I know I'm like back, I'm trying to like shorten the story, but then the details are good. I said, listen, I said, you definitely have Goya in your, in your cabinet. I want you to go to the kitchen. It's a fact. Am I lying? Say this with me. You got to lighten the load. Yeah, you got to lighten it up a little bit. I said that. I actually said it. It came out of my mouth. Goya's olive oil. So you could tell the ones that knew. They were laughing. All right. And his pots and pans were in the oven. But that's... So I said, I said, go grab the oil, put it in your hand, because he, I, I prayed with him. That whole family got saved. I said, we're not going to cast this demon out of this lady, and then it goes into another one of you, and then we got to do the same thing. I'm not messing with this thing until four in the morning. It's going to come out, and it's going to stay out. Because I heard the one lady say, He's, it's looking into the little girl's eyes. So I said, this is what we're going to do. You're going to translate for me. Everybody in that family got saved. And then I prayed, fill them with the Holy Ghost. If you're occupied by the Holy Ghost, you ain't going to be occupied by anything else. Can you say amen? Amen. And so so, um, I said, take the oil, put it in your hand, and put your hand on your mom's head and speak to that thing like it is a dog that is not listening to you. Don't speak to it like something that has power over you and it's going to control you and your family. Treat it like a dog that is being disobedient. You say, why a dog? Because you know as a person that you have power and dominion over a dog. When your dog starts barking, you're like, oh, sorry. When a dog poops in your house, don't worry, I'll move out. What? So, <laughs> anyway, so, so he did it. We prayed for her. The demon got cast out. It was outside of his house. And then the next day I texted him. I said, hey, how's everything going? It was like 8 o'clock at night. He said, my mom's been in bed all day, but she's totally fine. And months go by. And you don't hear good things. You only, you only usually hear bad things, like If you pray for somebody and they got healed, people don't think like, hey, let them know. You prayed and it worked. But if they die, they're like, you prayed for them and they died. (laughs) So um, anyway, the guy, he texts, I text him like a few months later. And I said, hey, just checking on you. How's everything going? 
with your family? And this is his response to me. He said, my mom has been free ever since that night. Now watch this. And she has been sober ever since that night. Come on. I didn't even talk about that. People think it's emotionalism. You just tell them what to, be- to believe and then they receive it because they're brainwaves. I didn't mention anything about addiction. But the, the symptoms of what came with the darkness left with the darkness. Can you say amen? That's going to be the story of your life in 2024. This is not going to be a year where you're bound by the devil and what he's doing in your life. You're actually going to be walking on a different course. And this is going to be a year where you're winning on every single side. You're going to win personally. You're going to win others to Jesus. And God is going to get the glory. Can you say amen? Say this with me. I'm more, than a I'm more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ. Turn to Romans chapter 8 in your Bible. Let's start in verse 26, Romans eight twenty-six, And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. So many people like to judge when people pray in tongues. You want to know what I have to say to them? She care mandoso re candesie, ramande care mandoso yoko. Say this: the Holy Spirit through me wants to pray the perfect will of God. One time I was at a gas station and I'm standing in line at the gas station. There's a guy behind me and I see that he has a 24 pack of beer. I didn't judge him. I just buy my Red Bull. I bought a Red Bull and I hear the guy and he says to the cashier, he says, crazy time of the morning to be buying a 24 pack, don't you think? And I instantly, by the spirit, I turned, I couldn't even stop turning if I tried. It was like, ooh. I said, you're saying that as a joke, but I feel like deep down on the inside of you, your heart's cry is to be set free from this addiction. Grown men. God knows how to make a grown man cry. And he said this to me. He said, stop. I said, what do you mean? He said, I want you to come outside, and I want you to share this with my wife who's sitting in the front seat because I know it's about to be good. And so I went outside, and I start talking to them. I start praying with them. I led them to Jesus. They both get saved. While I'm praying, while I'm praying, I begin to speak in other tongues. I don't do this in front of people that don't know. Like, it's not something that you just do. I did it just now because there's people that you, you just need to break mindsets off people. You see? But I don't do that often. Because they're not, it's, it's unfruitful. They're not understanding what I'm saying. That's for my prayer with God. Unless it is the gift of tongues and the interpretation that comes with it. But there's, those are separate things, by the way. And so I'm, I'm there, I'm praying with the guy. I began for like four or five seconds. As I'm praying in English, I just feel an unction to pray in the Holy Ghost. So I'm praying in English and then I start praying in the Holy Ghost. 
And all of a sudden, I finished the prayer, and the guy looks at me, and he says, how do you know that about me? And the wife's looking at him, and they're like, this is crazy. And I'm like, no, what? And he said, on my way to the gas station this morning, I looked at my wife, and I said, I want to live the right way. But there's something on the inside of me that gets so irritated with this. It was a specific group of people, without going into details. With this specific group of people, people and I actually feel a hatred in me to go and kill them. And he said, you looked at me when you were praying and you said you have hatred in your heart and you wouldn't mind killing people and that's coming out right now. And I looked at him and I said, bro, I didn't say that. That was the Holy Ghost because I, those words did not come out of my mouth. But the Holy Spirit will pray through you with utters, utterings that cannot be uttered with words. The Holy Ghost will pray through you the perfect will of God. Can you say amen? The Holy Ghost knows what people need to hear, and he's your helper, and he'll make sure they hear what they need to hear. Your job as a Christian this year is to just stay in line with what the Holy Ghost is saying. Can you say amen? Stop worrying about what the devil's saying and stay in line with what the Holy Spirit is saying. Listen for his voice. But if you're going to listen for his voice, you got to have him. <laughs> Jesus. While we're on the subject, there's another person who's in this church who's very close with us. Five years ago, uh, I used to work for a program. I still kind of do. But we have a program here called Project Rock. And uh, it's an out-of-school suspension program. Those, that's where those five children came forward and, and got saved. By the way, there is, besides those five children in the same meeting, there was like 40-something, 50 other kids that came to the altar ex- giving their life to God fresh for the new year, making a decision that they're going to win with trembling under the power of God, with conviction in their heart. Can you say amen? And so five years ago, this kid, there's a reason why I'm talking about the demonic. I don't even like doing this because people can misconstrued things. But I think it's so important this year that you don't focus your life on the enemy coming against you. And we focus on people getting saved. Can you say amen? amen? So five years ago, This kid comes into our program, and he was great all day. His behavior was great, no problems. And uh, towards the end of the day, he starts acting up and acting weird. And I said, hey, come talk to me for a second. So I pull him outside. I start talking to him, and uh, I was like, listen, you have only a little bit of time left in the day. Just do what you got to do. Get your certificate. Go home. You don't don't have to ever come back. And uh, as we're walking inside, he's walking in behind me. And as I'm walking, I start hearing him pray in demonic tongues. And I went like this. Say this with me. Say, the Holy Ghost will keep me on a swivel. This year, you need to be on a swivel. Because what happens is there's things that try to distract you and pull you in the wrong race. And you just need to swivel back to the right race. There's going to be people that while you're out and about in your life, God's going to to give you something to encourage them. 
And I'm not telling everybody you're going to have encounters with demons. I just do because, I don't know, maybe because I love it. But when you carry the power of God, the, the realm of darkness, it, it shakes. And so he, it was like, who's ever seen Stigmata, the movie? The guy was praying like, oh, yes, yes, no. And I turned around and I said, oh, I can do that too. And as I start praying in tongues, he, he stops. His eyes were rolling in the back of his head. I started praying. He stops. I said, hey, come with me for a second in this room. We were going to go back to the room, but I, I'm like, nah, now I'm going to go see what's going on. And I spend time with him. I'm talking to him about his life, what happened to you in your life. And he had in his wallet an ID of when he was eight years old and, in, and his current ID. And he said, this is me when I was eight years old, and this is me now. And I said, what's different? He said, that eight-year-old boy was an innocent boy. And, and here I am now. And I'm like, what do you mean? And he goes, I'm numb, dude. When something happens in my life that's supposed to affect my feelings, it doesn't affect my feelings. He said, you can kill my mom next to me, and I love her. She's live, she lives with me. She's taking care of me my whole life. You can kill her next to me, and I wouldn't even feel it. And I said, well, that's not good. We need to get that taken care of. And uh, I said, what happened? He said, when I was eight years old, and he points at this. So the devil has a reminder to him. Some of you guys are stuck in things that have happened in the past where the devil has tried to steal, kill, and destroy your life. And you're going to be set free from those things. So this can be a year of wins. It's time we stop celebrating the death of somebody or not celebrating. It's time we stop remembering as every time that year comes or that day comes in that year and that person died, it puts a depression on us. It's time for those to stop. That person would want you to enjoy life anyway. And I don't want to say they're in heaven because they might not be, but that's the urgency that we have to tell other people about Christ. You know, people come to me and they say, hey, can you speak at this person's funeral? I had to speak at my uncle's funeral who I have no idea if he is in heaven or not. And I'm not going to lie to people and tell them, hey, they're in heaven, they're fine. No, they might not be in heaven. They might be in a lake of eternal fire, weeping and gnashing their teeth forever. But what I am going to tell you is there's this hope we have in Jesus. And that even in his last breath, he might have reached out and said, God, come into my heart. Forgive me for my sins. Wash me and cleanse me. Can you say amen? So you, it's, it's important that as children of God, we live our life in a way where we care about other people's eternity. Because if we just accept, oh, they're probably in heaven, then you are never going to make sure anybody gets to heaven your whole life. They're not probably in heaven. They probably need to hear about Jesus so that they can go there. And I'm not going to wait for somebody else to tell them. Can you say amen? So I know, guys, I go down rabbit trails, but it's good stuff. So I'm I'm praying with this guy. Um, I'm telling him, or he's talking to me. And I said, well... Have you ever uh, messed around with the, like, the dark realm, demons? Have you ever done any kind of tarot card readings? Have you ever messed around with witchcraft? And he said, when I was eight years old, just like the ID card, I, I had a Ouija board that I would play with with my friends. 
And he said, one day I was playing with the Ouija board and I met a man named Zozo. And I said, Zozo? Does this Zozo follow you around everywhere you go or is this something that you just, when, when you're playing the game? And he said, do you remember how I told you that I don't feel? And I said, yes. When, when he said that his eyes went to the innocent eight-year-old boy that I saw in the ID card. And he said, when I don't feel, I know that he's with me. And then he got scared as a little boy. And he said, I wasn't supposed to tell you that. I wasn't supposed to tell you that. And I looked at him in the eyes and I said, there's a lot of things you're getting ready to tell me. Because greater is he that is in me than he that is in you. And as soon as I said that, his eyes went, and the demon manifested himself in front of my face. And I said, in the name of Jesus, I got up in his face. I said, come out. The kid fell to the floor, shaking uncontrollably on the ground. The thing left. I turn around, and all of Project Rock and Mr. Mike is standing there like this. <laughs> and I turn around, and I said, did you see that? And he goes, we watched it go out the door. Say this, the devil is not an issue. Jesus is not in an arm wrestling match with the enemy. That picture that you have come up on your feed, that is not even the case. God, even in heaven, said, hey, Gabriel, handle my lightweight. You don't need to be afraid of anything that the devil's taunting you with. You don't need to be afraid of the threats. You don't need to be afraid. Don't fear this year. Have faith. This is a year of wins for you and others. Can you say amen? amen? And so four years later, this was last year, I believe, during summer camp. I'm in summer camp. I'm in a group. We're having a powerful summer camp. No joke. People are getting set free from suicide. Young girls getting set free from suicide. As they're testifying about suicide, being set free, three girls in the room are screaming my scars are gone. My scars are So as she's sharing about God setting her free from suicide, God's healing young girls' scars from cutting themselves. And I get a call. Yeah. Come on. Give Jesus praise for that. <laughs> scars don't go away. <laughs> Even with bio oil. <laughs> Especially instantly. So, <laughs> I'm closing, guys. Are y'all good? Yeah. Everybody? Okay. All right. So, four years later, I'm in summer camp. I'm talking to this group, and Siobhan comes in out of nowhere, and she says, Pastor Chris, somebody's on the phone, and they, they didn't mention a name of who they want, but all they knew, that there was a man who helped them four years ago in Project Rock, and he has green eyes. That's all he knew about you. <laughs> when you realize why he knew I had green eyes. <laughs> My mom's saying green eyes. My own mother, for some reason, thinks that I had blue eyes. <laughs> My eyes are green. <laughs> They've been green my whole life. <laughs> I feel like she doesn't love me. Shut up. <laughs> so, so he calls me, hey, 
uh, my name's Brandon. I don't know if you remember me. And he says, I was in your program four years ago and you helped me. And he goes, I don't really know what happened. I just know I was possessed by a demon and I'm not anymore. And um, I, I told him the whole story. <laughs> and as I'm telling him, he's like, that's crazy. That's exactly how it happened. And he said, this is what happened. I'm in prayer today. He said, he said that he, he wasn't serving God as he should at that moment, but he's been serving God ever since. So he said, I haven't been serving God like I should, and I feel that some things are creeping back in my life. But he said, ever since you prayed for me, I've never been the same. And he said, I was standing in prayer today asking God to help me. And when I asked him to help me, your face popped up in a vision in my prayer. And he said, he, he said when he saw my face, he didn't remember my name or anything. But he said, God, I have to get in touch with that man. Well, we moved. Project Rock was no longer in the same building. He wouldn't know how to, how to find me. But he said he went on Instagram, and as he's scrolling Instagram, he sees a, an ad for Club Pure, and he sees my face. And he said, that's the man. And he called the phone number, and he got connected with us. Well, I prayed for him to get saved. I never prayed for him to get filled with the Holy Ghost. And one day, this is, this is five years later now, we're at a Holy Ghost and Fire Night prayer caravan, which, by the way, you guys should come. They're epic. They're not just for teenagers. It's for everybody. If, if you set foot in that school bus and you see what God does in prayer in that school bus, you, you're going to be so happy you did. To watch kids screaming out the window at drug addicts that Jesus loves them and then tears start falling down their face. And then the next day, Saturday, we actually get to go to the people that we were screaming at and tell them about him. So I'm doing this a lot. So anyway, we're in a fire night. He's standing here, and I came up to him. This is, I'm not blowing smoke. You can ask anybody that was there. I came up to him, and I said, in the name of Jesus, I'm fire. We were praying for the Holy Ghost, and we weren't praying for demons. When, uh, when I said fire, he went, <clears throat> like that. It probably sounded a little more girly because it was the enemy. So, and then he, he resisted me. And I looked at him and I said, do you know what happens to, to demons that defy direct orders of God? They get locked away in gloomy cages until, the, until they get thrown in the lake of fire. In the name of Jesus, I command you to come out. He fell over. The, the ushers were over there, and they can, they can testify to you. I don't remember who. Was it you? He fell over, and he didn't hit the ground. He's levitating. And then he comes back up. And I said, in the name of Jesus, I don't know if you heard me, come out. The thing left, he gets filled instantly. I didn't teach him about the Holy Ghost. I didn't teach him about tongues. So for all the people that think that, oh, it's a learned behavior. No, it's not. It's a river of living water that is by the Spirit of God that as you get filled, it comes out. It's in evidence. It's an evidence of the Holy Spirit being on the inside of you. It's what gives you power to be a witness. Can you say amen? 
So anyway, he gets filled with the Holy Ghost. He jumps up off the ground and starts running. Running all over the room. Well, that night I invited all of teen camp to come. There was kids in teen camp that did not believe what we were talking about. Mad at God, hate God. Don't believe in what you're talking about. Oh, you can believe that stuff, but I don't believe it. I didn't, I'm smart. If God's in the room, I'm done. That, the Lord just moved. I didn't even preach my message. I said, if you're in this room today and you don't have a relationship with God and you, everyone starts running to the altar. Teens on, on their knees crying. Why? Because you just witnessed that the devil has no power over God. And for some reason, people can associate with the curse more they can associate with the blessing of God. People will believe that they're cursed and they think that their whole year, it's going to be defeat after defeat. It's easier for you to believe that your year is defeat after defeat after defeat than for you to believe that it's a winning year. And I'm telling you, this year for you is a winning year. You're not going to know defeat. You're not going to know that uh, what it is to lose by the enemy because it's impossible. This is going to be a year of winning people to Jesus before time runs out and it is eternally too late. And you say, I'm not called to do that. Yes, you are. That's literally the purpose for everybody's life. Everyone. Not a select few. Every believer is called by the Lord to go into all the world and preach the gospel. You're called as a minister of reconciliation. Pleading, the Bible says, pleading with people to come back to God. And by the way, you can invite people more than once. There's people sitting in here today because my wife didn't leave them alone. Why? Because there's a conviction in her heart. I see that they're struggling. I don't want them to struggle anymore. I have the answer and I want them to receive it. When you care about other people more than you care about yourself, you don't care what they have to say about you. All I know is there's a snake that's getting ready to bite you. And if I don't tell you that it's getting ready to bite you, you're going to die. And I'm going to be in trouble because I didn't say anything. There was a pastor one night. He went to sleep and he was at a party. And he went into a, uh, like a dream of God. And in this dream, he sees his son outside of this uh, window pane. And they're up on a high story building. And he's up on this window pane. He's, and he's walking across and he's getting ready to jump over. The dad runs after him to save him, but he can't get the window pane open. And the guy jumps off the cliff. He starts weeping and wakes up in tears, sweating from the top of his head to the soles of his feet. And God spoke to him and he said, this is how I care about my children, the church. The same way that that father felt in his heart, I need to get to my son. Is the same way that God is saying to you, we need to tell people about him. 
We have to take our eyes off of us and put our eyes on the prize. Can you say amen? I want you to, to listen to this scripture, Acts chapter 10 or 20, verse 24. But my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned to me. By the Lord Jesus, the work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. My, wor- my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it to do the work of the Lord, telling others the good news about Jesus Christ. Every person, every believer is supposed to do the work of an evangelist. Our life is supposed to look so radically transformed by God that the glory of God can be seen on us everywhere we go, that people will come up to us and ask us, what is that on the inside of you? And your life becomes a signpost. That's the scripture I was looking for earlier. That God actually displays his glory through you. That's what God wants to do with you this year. This is not going to be a year of defeat after defeat. It's not going to be a year where you you have to keep yourself. Oh, I just got to keep myself. No, you're not going to live from one encounter. I'm not going to feel good until I have another encounter. No, the whole year is going to be win after win after win after win. Hallelujah. Paul said in 2 Timothy 4, 7, I have fought the good fight. What is the fight? Against the enemy? No, that's been done. I have fought the good fight of faith. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. You're in a race called life. The only opponent is time. And all you have to do is stay in faith. Say this with me. I'm in a race called life. My only opponent is time, and I just have to keep the faith. And the more you build your faith, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. The more you build your faith, how else does faith come? Jude 20, build yourself up in your most holy faith by praying in the spirit. So the thing everybody else, why do you think everyone encourages you not to do it? Because the devil knows how powerful you get if you do it. The devil knows how, how you build faith if you do it. How do you stay the course of time? How do you make sure that on this course of time, everybody that you can speak to comes along with you to heaven? Faith. Say this with me. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. But anyone that wants to come to him must believe that he is, and he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. I want everybody to bow your head and close your eyes all over this place. If you're in here today, everything that I said only applies to you if you have the Lord Jesus Christ in your heart as Savior. If you've accepted him as Lord and you're filled with the Holy Ghost and fire. Between now and a few weeks from now, you are going to be fully functioning as a powerful witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. 
And there's something that happens when you, when you make a decision that I'm going to let God use me. I'm going to let God use me. When you make that decision to let God use you as a vessel, your focus is shifted from your sinful, your nature, your lack, everything the enemy's doing in your life, it's shifted. And now you find this nourishment in God. When I bring people out on the streets to win souls, they always say, I feel good. I don't know what it is. I just feel good. Jesus spoke to his disciples and he said, I have a kind of nourishment that you know nothing about. And it comes from doing the will of my father who sent me. When you are in the will of God, you perform at your best. You feel at your best. The blessing of God chases you down. You don't have to chase blessing. It comes looking for you. And so God wants to transform your life to look like him. As you see him, you can reflect his glory. And everything I shared today, you only have access to by the sacrifice of what Jesus did for you. And it's easy. It's easy to be saved. It doesn't take a lot. The thief on the cross. There was two thieves on the cross and one of them mocked Jesus and a bird came and pecked his eyes out. And the other one looked at him and said, Lord, remember me. So all he did was recognize that he was Lord and believe. And Jesus looked over at him and said, surely today you'll be with me in paradise. And so I want to ask you, if you're in this place and you've never given your life to Jesus, if you were to die today, you don't know that you would spend eternity in heaven. You're not sure. I want to pray with you. The Bible says that we've all sinned and we all fall short of God's glory and the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. It's a free gift. You don't have to earn it. You just have to believe it and receive it. Maybe you're in another category of people who you've prayed before and you've asked God to come into your heart. You believe. But some things came into your life that rocked your world. And you're not serving God like you should. If I were to ask you how on fire you are for God on a scale of 1 to 10, if you're anything less than a 10... It's time to rededicate your life back to the Lord and run after him this year with fire. Or maybe you fit in another category. You, you prayed the prayer. You believe you're saved, but the devil keeps lying to you and telling you you're not. I want to pray for anybody that fits in those three categories. So if you're in this place and you say, I'm not sure, I want to make sure. I want you right now just to raise your hand with every head bowed and every eye closed. I see your hand. Anybody else? I see your hand in the back. See your hands going up. I see you. I see you. I see you. All right. This section here, I want you to, everybody, you can open your eyes. I want you guys to look at me. You did not raise your hand just now, but you want to be included in the prayer I'm going to pray. Wave your hand at me right now. I want to say pray for me. Anybody? All right. In this section here, you did not raise your hand, but you want to be included. Raise your hand now. I see you. Anybody else over here? You did not. I see your hand. I see your hand. 
This is what I want to do. Now, there's this saying that I like, and it goes like this. A generation of camouflage altar calls has produced a generation of camouflage Christians. What does that mean? People don't want to get up and stand publicly to receive Jesus because they're afraid of what people will say, what people will think of them. And what that does is produces a life of you being afraid of what people say and what people think of you. And to start off a year of winning, I think you just kick the devil in the face as you walk out because he's underneath your feet. And you make a decision, I don't care what people think of me. I'm not doing this for people. I'm doing this for Jesus. So if you raised your hand, I want every single one of you that raised your hand to come out from where you are and meet me at the altar. I want to pray with you. Come on now. Come on, give them a hand as they come. And maybe you're in here, you didn't raise your hand, but you're like, I got to come. I want you to join me up here right now. Come on. Hands that clap for souls will never be empty. If your heart is pounding in your chest, I'm not saying beating because I know your heart should be beating in your chest or you're dead. But if it is pounding on the inside of you and you're a little afraid, come now. I urge you to come. I compel you to come now. Anybody else before we pray? It's not to be ashamed. This is an amazing opportunity to trust your life in the Lord's hands this year. You should not be ashamed. Those of you that came forward, I want you to lift your hands right now. We're going to pray a prayer. I'm going to give you the words to say. Some people maybe don't know how to pray. So I'm going to give you the words to say. But if you mean business with God, he means business with you. I want you to say these words as if you're not receiving a prayer, but you're receiving an introduction to the Lord Jesus Christ. He's here right now. And as you pray to him, you meet with him. Amen. So with your head bowed, your eyes closed, your hands lifted, say this with me. Say, dear Lord Jesus. I believe that you are the son of God. You died for my sins. And I ask you, Jesus, to come into my heart. Forgive me. Wash me. Cleanse me. Make me new. Come on, say it out of your mouth. I believe that you will come into my life and bring victory upon victory upon victory. In Jesus' name. I trust you, and I ask you to fill me with the Holy Ghost and fire in Jesus' mighty name. That's the power of God right now. Be Lift up your name, you are the way, the truth, and life.